The Final Furlong podcast is proudly sponsored by Coral. Look out for exclusive Final Furlong smart boosts on attheraces.com. The smart money's on Coral. BeGambleAware.org, 18+. The Final Furlong podcast is brought to you in association with attheraces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. Welcome along to our day two preview of the Leopardstown Dublin Racing Festival. It promises to be a fantastic weekend and Sunday is full of particular quality. That's what we're focusing on here. It's going to be pretty much all the grade one races for us um, on the podcast and the Mayor's Bumper as well. I'm Emma Kennedy. We will be looking at these races in the company of At The Races Pundit, Mr. Declan Ricks. Hello! Copyright infringement on behalf of Kevin Blake. That's a cheery thing for me. Absolutely. I really, I really need to sort this out. I apologize, Kevin. I'm just, I just, like I said before, it's so good, so direct, so positive. It's, it's just brilliant. People shouted at me in the street. It's great. <laughs> it's not, Seriously. It's not who had the idea first, it's who uses it best. That's what's important. Yeah, and stop. I have, oh, that's, that was a dirty dig. And I have been at the risk. <laughs> I have been at the race courses where people have yelled hello to Kevin. So, yes, I can verify that that does indeed happen. Um, the other member of the final Furlan podcast team at the races pundit, Mr. Kevin Blake. Hello. The original is still the best. So Sunday uh, is kicking off with the handicap, but we're going straight to the grade one. Uh, the Tattersalls Ireland Spring Juvenile Hurdle. Uh, it's a day full of great ones a day full of quality and this race is no exception Joseph O'Brien has the favourite with Sir Eric currently 13 to 8 as a look at the prices on outtheraces.com the horse he beat on hurdling debut Tiger Tap Tap 5 to 2 Curse Sublime and at 6 is Gardens Babylon 10 and a horse you could set your watch by Chief Justice 12 to 1 for Gordon Elliott and Chivley Park Nobody knows the form line and the inner workings of Joseph O'Brien's yard better than Kevin Blake. So we'll start with you, Kev. Joseph O'Brien has an incredibly strong team of juvenile hurdlers. I think a lot of people expected that last season, but this year he really does have it. He's, he's got so much strength and depth. We saw a fantastic performance from Fakir Dudori at Cheltenham. Are we going to see a similar performance from Sir Eric? Because he was at the top of the pecking order until Cheltenham. How is he working? How is his preparation going? What are you expecting on Sunday? Um, well, look, the thing with Sir Eric is we, we know he's a very good horse. He was a very good horse before he ever came to Joseph's. Um, at the end of last season, I think I was putting him up as a horse that might win an Ascot Gold Cup next season. And he's gone down a different road. So, look, we know he's very, very good. And it's just a case of can he translate it to hurdles? And I think everyone was delighted with what he did at Leopardstown over Christmas in that maiden hurdle. Um, look, it, there was a huge field, 28 runners. He was given, as was Tiger Tap Tap, you know, a very safety first ride around the outside. And um, like there's, there was definite reason to think he can improve from what he did. Um, he made what I would consider a, a fairly serious mistake at the fifth last, um, jumped a bit left to the fourth last. He was making his headway there at what's a crew point of the track at Eppertstown when he made a bit of a mistake at the second last and despite all that he's picked up really well he's battled he stuck his head down and he's beaten um, what was a very well fancied horse on the day in Tiger Tap Tap and they've, and they've come away from the rest so in terms of a bare piece of form he, he definitely needs to come forward but there was plenty of reason to think and hope and expect that he will um, and look jo- Joseph has a great bunch of juveniles 
this fella would, would have been you know the shining light amongst them for obvious reasons coming into the season and he just needs to go and do it now it's um it's it's no good being a uh, uh, whatever he is, 109 rated flat horse if you don't translate. So here's where we get to find out. I'd be hopeful this race would represent a bit of a passing of the baton from the likes of uh, Coors Sublime and Chief Justice who kind of set the pace in this division in the first half of the season. And now we've got the real nice horses coming out um, just in time for this and, and to go on to Cheltenham. So I'd be hopeful that um, wherever Chief Justice and Coors Sublime are, lovely horses as they are, I'd be hopeful one or two of these can come away from them and show us that they're real proper grade one horses. And um, look, Tiger Tap Tap, you'd have to have great respect for as well. As mentioned, he, he was very well fancied behind Sir Eric at Leopardstown and ran a smashing race himself, um, having you know given the outer to no one just like Sir Eric. So he can certainly come forward as well. But um, in terms of an alternative, and the reason, the only reason I look for one is that um, with Sir Eric and Tiger Tap Tap, I think the market is already assuming and has built in the expected improvement from that first run over hurdles. And, and they're both skinny enough at the top end of the market. And, and while I'd be hopeful Sir Eric would take a good step forward and, and confirm that form and be tough to beat, um, I would definitely give a roar to Gardens of Babylon, who, excuse me, isn't a, a 100% certain runner, but I'd say... I think it's fair to describe it at this stage as more likely than not. And um, look, he wasn't in the same parish as Sir Eric as a flat horse, but he's made a really, really good transition to hurdling. He made a winning hurdling debut at Punchestown, um, showed a fabulous attitude, I thought. He, he just squeezed through tight gaps uh, and negotiated traffic to, to get up and win narrowly, um, beating Surin. And he took on Surin again. Um, on, on tough terms now he was trying to give her 12 pounds and he was she nipped him by a nose but on another day I think he might have won and he was a little bit misfortunate on the day and it was just a big performance trying to give up that much weight to what is what's a good filly and I, I just think the market's been quite disrespectful of that form like that form is a, a way ahead of what Sir Eric and Tiger Tap Tap did on herding debut and you know with the obvious proviso that that was the herding debut for for Sir Eric and Tiger Tap Tap and they could be expected to take a real good step forward but I'd expect Gardens of Babylon to come forward again as well and at um at a double figure price he's probably my selection in the race um as much as you know Sir Eric is the, the will be the first choice and um, will be hopes will be very high that he can go and put a stamp on this just in terms of you know, as, as is kind of a given at this stage in the podcast, we're looking to re- to identify um, the value, the the horse that, whose price is wrong. And for me, Gardens of Babylon is the wrong price at a double figure price. Two hundred and forty thousand euros in his Coolmore days as a yearling. That's a cheap yearling for Ballydale. <laughs> cheap, very cheap in this day and age for the Coolmore team. Can I ask you when these deals are done to transfer these horses? Were you surprised that Sir Eric came over? Because we talked about it in our in our flat season review. You've already mentioned it, Kev, with Lydia Hislop. We were talking about this horse as being a potential Group One stayer next season, along with Flag of Honor. So when he made his way into Owning Hill and came off the horse box, were you a bit surprised that Bally Doyle were willing to let him go? I was delighted. <laughs> 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 but uh, if you're at Leopardstown, go and have a look at him now. Jesus, a lovely horse to look at, and um, great attitude, great outlook. Um, you, you'd love him now. You'd fall in love with him. 
um, fabulous horse for anyone to have now. And like you say, you'd be thrilled because I, I suspect he, he could make up, he could have made up into a Group One horse on the flat. So to to see him sent hurdling and to make such an encouraging debut, it, it'd be one that'd have you dreaming a bit now. So we'll wait and see. Look, it's it's a big day for him. He needs to step up. Uh, you know, this is the this is the, the juncture where he's going to have to do it if he's going to if he's going to win a triumph hurdle, he needs to be winning this or going very very close. So mm. it's uh, it's D Day. Uh, you know, hopefully he'll have plenty of big days ahead of him down the line. But in terms of this stage of his career, um, this is a big big day for him. So look, it'll be a case of fingers crossed. But um, yeah, Gardens of Babylon, I'd say, will run very well too if he goes. Okay, we've talked a lot about on the podcast about just how difficult it is getting recruits to jump racing from the flat in that there's such a demand for middle distance and stair sources in Asia, in Hong Kong, in Australia as well. Um, the valuable handicaps are, are worth so much money over in the UK as well that a lot of people are staying on the flat. So to have these two recruits to the jumps ranks is, is really fantastic and is quite exciting even though he's only just had the one run so far i'm very excited to see what sir eric can do on sunday um joseph had the one two at cheltenham at the weekend i wouldn't be in the least bit surprised declan if he has the one two here and we already heard from your day one preview analysis that you're quite happy to do betting without um i'd be happy to do a forecast here and see can can he do the one two again with uh surrey and gardens of babylon but you're assessment of the race and your betting angle for the spring juvenile hurdle Rixie yeah I suppose um, I, it's interesting here because the, the front two at the market Sir Eric and Tiger Tap Tap um, although their form is their form is kind of below the likes of you know the, the proven kind of course sublimes and uh, those kind of horses so it's interesting they they take a, a big old chunk out of the market Um I think there is probably value against them, but just in terms of those two who clashed at Leopardstown, Sir Eric and Tiger Tap Tap, I think Tiger Tap Tap will turn around the form here. Oh, um, yeah, I do. I, I I thought he I thought he was slightly the better horse at Leopardstown. Now, if I'm being honest, and uh, for a number of reasons, kind of first of all, I think he's had two runs in France before he came here. Sir Eric is has got far. He's got more life experience than him in general. Uh, the second thing was um, Tiger Tap Tap just had a he had a length off to a length or two off Sir Eric the whole way around, and you know he conceded he conceded ground and he also conceded first run. I've just been looking at this race. There doesn't look to be a lot of pace on here now, and I think this is kind of ripe uh, a Ruby Walsh special from the front. I'd be amazed if Ruby doesn't sit in front of Sir Eric this time. And just because Joseph, I think, would it be fair to say, Kev, Joseph likes to get his horses settled and into a nice rhythm. Um, you know, I think he'll, I think he'll sit behind Tiger Tap Tap this this time. And just at the prices, I think one is one is the best price, eleven to four, and the other is best priced. Is it uh, about? Seven to four, fifteen to eight. Yeah, yeah. You know, there, there's, there's not a lot between these two, and just in terms of value at the front of the market, I'd be going with Tiger Tap Tap. Um, I there's another horse here that I'm going to take. I'm going to take a bit of a wild swing at this race. I'm, I'm not sure if he's going to run yet, but I'm going to take a wild swing at one. I think he's twenty five to one. He's trained by Gordon Elliott, and that's Coco Beach. Now, this lad, there's a couple, a couple of interesting things about him. I think just in terms of his run behind um, 
Rocky Blue and Chief Justice at Leopardstown over Christmas. He shaved way, way, way better than the the bear result. I think he was beaten about 20 lengths in the end. But he actually led coming to the straight for a couple of strides and it looked like he blew up quite badly. Um, look, that was probably a time when Summer Gardens were in and out. He's a big horse. It looks like he'll come on for the run anyway. But what really caught my eye about this fella was... Oh, no. Oh, fire alarm. Oh, for no goodness sakes. <laughs> Don't is, go anywhere. You're grand. Is that no, your bur- phone? If I, if, I, if I burn, I burn. Is that yeah, your phone? <laughs> don't go anywhere. Is that your phone, Rixie? See. No, this this is, that's the fire alarm in the building. No, th- this is, that's the joke. This is the whole going back to Brando says go gag. Like, <laughs> oh, <sorry>. Blake, <laughs> Blake in his room and, and me in, in my room. Like, the two of us just like going, yeah. We're not going to go. And there's Cheska and all the all the British, like, orderly, running outside, you know, doing the right thing. Well, the two of us are just there kind of humming and hawing, going into each other's rooms, looking outside, going, eh, what do you reckon? Ah, we won't go. Until Brando As flames coming. and smoke come in the, in the room. Envelop like, the hotel. Yeah. Uh, thank, there you go. Thankfully. Oh, I, th- I think... I think we might be in a bit of luck that it's it's stopped now. Excellent, good news. Um, please make so, please form an orderly queue and get out of a building if the alarm does go off and don't do what we did. It was absolutely stupid no. of us. Uh, and thank God nothing. nothing speak bad speak for yourself. Um, <laughs> well, well I, I ran to save my friend's life and had the absolute piss taken out of me for for the next six months. But deserve it. <laughs> Oh, but the first thing you first thing you said at the Oh man, like George Clooney in ER. Oh. The look of sheer panic and fear on his face. Oh Jesus! <laughs> I'll never ever oh, forget it. Man, oh, the, if I had it recorded, I would watch it every day for the rest of my life. Oh Jesus! The the t-shirts that Brando got made. If you're new to the podcast, by the way, I'm, I'm sorry. It, it's very much an inside joke, but Kevin, Kevin and I were in the UK. A fire alarm went off. We were half an hour debating whether or not we leave, but everybody else is outside. It was, it was five minutes, Kevin. Oh, no, 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 Kev, Kev. The entire broadcast team were outside, and the two of us were still up on the fifth floor going, eh, I don't see, uh, I don't know. And then I, I rang Brando, he says, it's a get the fuck out of there situation, mate, to which led me sprinting to save my friend's life and... It's taken out of me ever since. But I, I do appreciate the fact that Brando went and made the uh, T-shirts, and thanks very much for that. So um, we, now that we know that Rixie's life is okay and that he is safe, uh, you can... Or, yes. or the fire alarm has burnt out. <gasps> twist. Ah, I'll Nobody take my chances. That, you see. <laughs> twist. A, a twist in the tale. Uh, so you're going for Cocoa Beach. You were in the middle of explaining why. Yeah, sorry. They, they, I think I I got across the first bit of just how he shaped at, yeah. uh, at Leopardstown over Christmas, that he, he got well. But the most interesting thing about this horse over Christmas was in a race that featured Chief Justice and the faller, Corsa Blime, who Corsa Blime went off three to one joint favourite and Chief Justice went off four to one. This horse having the second run ever of his career and the first for Gordon Elliott only went off six to one. That intrigued me now mm. that he would that he was so close to those two in the market. Although he was, um, uh, he didn't have near enough 
as much as experience as the two lads. I just found that interesting. I, I, I think he's worth a, a small little swing here at about 25 to 1 if he does go. So, yeah, that's the way I'm going to play it. I think, um, I, I think actually Tiger, I think Tiger Boom Boom or whatever his bloody name is will, uh, will. <laughs> Tiger Boom Boom! <laughs> Tiger Boom Boom! <laughs> I think Tiger will reverse the form with Sir Eric here. Uh, at the prices, he's definitely the bet. But I'm definitely going to have a, a wild swing at one, being the uh, the Gordon Elliott horse, Coco Beach. Oh yeah, just just before I finish up on him, he is by a sire, Coco Beach, who is called Coco Rico. Rico. And young old Harry Derham was on the show during the week, and he gave you a horse called. Polo, Poly Rico, if I recall. Yes, that's right. By the same sire. I'm, I'm liking that. It's uh, proving your diehard devotion to the Final Forum podcast for one thing. But no, I think this is interesting. <laughs> and, and look, Kev, we've talked about it. Like, another point to make about this horse is Gordon's horses were running like rats down a drain. Like they were running terrible. It was just the fact that he won some grade ones and, and so people didn't really elaborate on it too much, but they, were, they weren't they were in the best of form. So maybe that could be an excuse from him as well. But the yeah, point, quite possibly, yeah. But the point that we've, and that you and I have made over the years about big stables and, and you know, we're talking about Aidan O'Brien, Willie Mullins, Gordon Elliott, Paul Nichols, the elite, John Gosden, when their horses go off shorter than the market expects... They might not run to expectation that day, but it's telling you that this horse is showing them something that could be well worth following later on. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So 20. And, uh, and, and Rixie, if Coco Beach wins, would you be dancing around Leopardstown playing this song? <laughs> Coco Jumbo! <laughs> nah, it might nah. be a bit that is a cracking tune there's one of my friends actually his nickname is Jumbo and you know whenever this song comes on in, the, in when, when we're out in the club even though we're growing men and you know this comes on and we just go where's where's Jumbo we start dancing around oh. Uh, oh, what a tune. <laughs> so uh, the top end of the market Sir Eric is available as a best price 15 to 8 as we record at half 5 on Thursday evening before the Dublin Racing Festival. Tiger Boom Boom, as Rixie has now christened him, is 11-4. <laughs> please, Rich Richie, uh, please change the name of that horse. Uh, Coco Beach 25s and, and Gardens of Babylon is a best price 12-1. to 1. When Kevin said, oh, interesting, uh, when Rixie was talking about that Tiger Tap Tap could reverse the form, what he actually meant was, you, you absolute Yes, how dare you say such things? Uh, but I was just <laughs> delighted. Jesus, <laughs> Rick's with Pox anything. I'm delighted to hear Rick's. Rixie, Rixie is a fine addition to the Even, podcast you know, with a good knowledge of the form book and a damn good record of tipping winners as well. But I, I think the fact, I think the fact that both of you have very different views on the interpretation of the form of this race tells you just how open race this is. Uh, Sir Eric is currently 7 to 1 second favourite for the Triumph Hurdle behind the new favourite Fakir Dudery. If he wins this, Kev, I wouldn't be in the least bit surprised if bookmakers are saying he's gone threes. Disgracefully, but I wouldn't be in the least bit surprised if 
that's the way things are yeah, going. Possibly. I look, look, a horse with his profile, if, if they can go and do the job, they're, they're always going to be shorter than they should be. Mm. You know, that's that's just the reality of, of a horse with a big kind of flat profile like him going hard. Like everyone's go, always going to be paying extra attention to him. Um, he'll always be shorter than he should be. Um, so, yeah, you're probably right. The Supreme Novice Hurdle market is going to get a shake-up inevitably after the Pharma Novice Hurdle. This is at 150. Now, they have changed things around for Saturday on our Day 1 podcast. You'll have heard us talk about that. So, uh, as things stand, there's no reason why this race would, would move from where it is as it's a hurdle race. Um, it's the Chanel Pharma Novice Hurdle, Grade 1 over 2 miles. Armoron for the Elite Racing Club. What a day they had. Uh, over the Christmas of this horse bolting up in the future champions novices hurdle uh, he is heading the betting at threes alongside a podcast favorite of uh, Kevin and ours a classical dream classical with a K who Kevin has already put up for the supreme novices hurdle uh, Vision four Donner, different times four different <laughs> times it took four times to get this horse into the current best price is 16 to 1 uh, but most bookmakers have gone 12s. You were It was 25s and 20s when you were putting the horse up. They finally listened. Uh, Vizian de Honor, threes. Uh, yeah, this is a wide open betting heat, a very competitive race. Rixie, you can lead the way. Armoron coming in with a grade one form for Willie Mullins. But it's a classical dream that's going to interest Kev and I a little bit more. What's your assessment of the race? Yeah, I suppose um, similar to the, the good two mile chase. Uh, that we discussed on the first pod, lads. The, the, there was a potentially a bit of a, a market clue here during the week, where Aramon was a little bit of a drifter and classical dream had shortened the touch. So look, I don't know what the story is. I don't know if Willie's gonna if if that suggests Willie is not gonna run Aramon and classical dream is gonna go ahead. But that is just something worth bearing in mind. Um, I think if. Aramon runs. He he's definitely the correct favourite. He's 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 run to a level here now that would still be um, oh I don't know maybe six or seven pounds ahead of Classical Dream for all he's had he's had more goes than to get to that level. I was impressed with him now at Leopardstown. He beat he beat Sancta uh, Simona of of Willie's um, the, the the ten length distance probably flatters him a little bit because the, the the runner up really. He didn't see out the race. But yeah, he, look, he, he is the right favourite here. But again, it just suggests that they mightn't run. And he's already got a, a grade one under his belt this season. So maybe Willie is looking to get the grade one uh, with classical dream here. Look, he was very likeable. There was something there was something that I liked about this. I couldn't put my finger on it. There was like how he, how he galloped or there was something of him that kind of struck me that he reminded me of Duvan or something like that. He's not as big as him now by the looks, but... There was just something that was really likable. Now I'm. He, carry, I'm, he carries himself quite low. Yeah, maybe that that was it. Uh, his head was quite low to the ground, wasn't it? But he, yeah. he like it, it, it was low and it was keen. But it was keen like a good horse to be keen. Like he was just likable. Um, yeah, look, classical dream. He, he was very good. He, he, um, he seemed to jump well enough, and I'd say he got to the front early enough. But he, his experience that he had in. France um, kept him there and he, he was brave as well, hit the line very well. But there, there's one thing in this race and, and hopefully um, Frankie tight lips will, will loosen the old lips here now is I, I cannot understand why Joseph's horse, who was beaten a length and three quarters behind Classical Dream at Christmas uh, and uh, Entuka 
why is he 20 to 1 and Classical Dream is 3 to 1? I just, I cannot get my head around that. Uh, and Tukas was, I thought he ran an absolute cracker behind classical dream at Christmas he he conceded first run he conceded ground and he, he travelled with such enthusiasm what what I, Mark Walsh I think was just trying to as a, a lad used to say in school he was just trying to learn him he was just trying to learn him good through the race <laughs> and what I mean by that is he, he just kept taking him back taking him back taking him back and while he was doing that, he was just losing ground ever so much on Classical Dream. And then when Classical Dream was just in a better place to strike for home. But look, he travelled unreal and he jumped great. Uh, he was much, I think he was wider than them the whole way through the race as well. So look, I just, I don't get under, I don't understand the price. And I think Entekes is a, is a seriously good each way bet here now at 20 to 1, whatever he is. I, I really liked him. But as I say, Kevin is the man with the inside scoop. He's got the binoculars out down in Oren Hill. Porridge <laughs> in one pocket, binoculars in the other. Joseph standing to his left, Donica to his right. Sarah's chasing down after the dog in front of him there. He knows what's going on in Oren Hill. And now, Blake, it's time to fess up. What do you know about this horse? Do you know what I picture there when you were saying that? The way you said it. I said, Jesus, that reminds me of Hector. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking too. Oh, oh, stop. Hector. <laughs> shout, out, shout out to our friend Hector, who will hopefully have back on the show very soon. What a legend. Brilliant. Well, Hector. anyway, so, so, so classical dream, anyway, I think is a lovely horse. And uh... <laughs> don't, don't be skirting around the question, Blake. Oi, oi. Answer the question about Intukas. No, I tell you, you're actually onto something there now because he, he is a lovely horse. Um, he is, he's another one that's come from Guy Shirell, Um something that, we, that has been a feature of the season, really. Sorry, Kev, just, and, to, um, just to elaborate for new listeners, why is Guy Shirell so important? Why this, is, this name has been mentioned a few times, but just to elaborate on it, what is it about Guy Shirell's horses that's, that's so classy and, and so that makes them stand out? Um, well, look, the reason why there's so many of them there, look, it's, it's a matter of public record. Like, Guy would be one of the biggest breeders of National Honda Horses and trainers of National Honda Horses in France. And a few months ago, he's he's had a bit of a legal situation and um, he's dispersed, sold and dispersed an awful lot of the horses. There's a heap of them in Ireland. There's a heap of them in England. And they're turning up all over the place. And uh, he's, just a, he's just a very, very good producer of National Honda Horses um, up in the, the very top company there. And um, there's a fair. They're doing those that have gone to Joseph are doing very well. And um, Woody Mullins is good bumper horse at Goran Park is one of those. And there's just a heap of them. They're turning up all over the place. Um, and something that's a that's a bit of a trend, if you will, with them or, or a tendency with them is they tend to be quite strong goers. And um, they tend to take a good grip. And I, I'd say Joseph's place, uh, his gallop, and the way he trains probably suits him a little bit because I think if, if a horse is a bit of a free goer and they start facing up the hill every day they soon realise that um, taking a strong grip isn't isn't conducive to a good time so they tend to drop the bit a little bit and get a bit more relaxed up the hill so um, and Tukas is one now that if you watch them in his first couple of starts for Joseph he, he does take a strong grip and when um, you're right Rixie like the, the a big thing is to, to get him settled so while she was covering him up as best he could, the boat, the boat days, and um, he's run very well boat days, and, and particularly so the second day. And um, look, as we talked about on the podcast a few weeks ago, 
Um, you know, with a horse like this who's a maiden still with only a few months of the season left, it kind of makes sense to throw him into this sort of company uh, for the rest of the season. And if they can go and win one, you don't care because they've won a grade one. And if they run well in them without winning, and they're a novice again for next season. So, you know, we saw this with Tower Bridge last season. He came into this meeting as a maiden, ran in the grade one, was a big price, and managed to go and win. And sure, of course, you're cock a hoop, but it just makes sense. And I suspect there'll be a fair few maidens uh, turning up in the grade ones at this particular meeting with, with that in mind. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked if he ran well at all. I think he's a lovely horse. He's worth going down and having a look at. He's, he's a smasher to look at. Um, he'll do he'll do every job along the way. He'll jump a fence in due course. And um, yeah, Rixie, if you wanted to back him at a big price, I would not put you off. Um, well, could could you answer one question? So we'll we'll try and get a bit of info out. You. What are, what are the chances of him running? Oh, he'll run, I'd say, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. lads, get on the anti-post. Get yeah. on the anti-post. And, and, and again, I'll stress that. Look, I think everyone knows at this stage, you know, Frank Barry for JP and Eddie for, for Jigginstown, you know, they, they, it's their call. So everyone in Joseph's might be, might be sure that this horse is going to run and, and Frank might change his mind in the morning on account of the ground or what have you. But as far as I'm aware, he's, he's an intended runner at this stage. Don't be throwing Frank under the bus when we've all done our dough and post play. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the current betting on Entukas, who was beaten by Classical Dream last time out, is 33 to 1. You can get 33 really? about Rixie's selection, but I have a feeling that 33s, given the fact that Rixie just went, really, will be gone by the time this podcast actually goes live. But um, best- And even just kind of, sorry, Emma, to cut across you again. I'm being a big ignorant arsehole here. Um <laughs> Just in terms of him being keen, we should mention that it looks like there'll be a bit of pace on in this race, which should help him. Felix yeah, Stage, he's, yeah, he, he's got the hood off, so he's turned into a right lunatic again. And <laughs> dancing on my dancing on my own of Henry the Bromides. He's a horse who likes to go forward at a, a decent clip as well. Mm. So look, I'd love this fella to be given a real ballsy ride, maybe sitting third or fourth, buried down the inner, travel away, get cover, get a lead, and then hopefully produce some late. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if he was ridden, I wouldn't be shocked if he was ridden quieter than that now in yeah, the circumstances. Yeah, but enough, but yeah. he but that's not that wouldn't be for me to decide now. But I wouldn't be surprised if he was ridden a small bit quieter than that. And the only reason I'm saying he's probably one thing is him being an anti post bed as well is what we mentioned at the start there in terms of the market guides around Aramon. If he he's favourite now at the moment, hmm. if he doesn't run you know, the market's going to collapse a bit, isn't it? Well, it, a lot will depend on what Ruby rides. And I just, and to, to get on to him, like I wouldn't be at all surprised if Ruby's on classical juries. Interesting. I wouldn't be at all surprised. I've said, I've said, been saying it for weeks. I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he runs him, if he rides him in the race. Well, let's, let's elaborate on him further. I, so, so in, in Tuca's obviously a very interesting selection for Rixie and, and 33 to one is widely available, but beaten last time out by classical dream with a K. Uh, this is the horse that you and I have been talking about for a long, long time, Kev. And you know, it's great that he's going to be back out. But what is it about him that makes you so interested in him as a Supreme Novice Hurdle contender and indeed for the weekend at the Dublin Racing Festival? Um, well, look, he has loads of experience. He's basically a, a second season novice. Um, he showed a high level of form in France as a three-year-old. And uh, I, I just really liked his, his Irish debut 
in that maiden hurdle at Leopardstown the way he did it. And like Rixie says, he's got a lovely way of going. Um, and his jumping was good. He would have won better, but for a little mistake at the last. And um, he, he was he was just well on top of Antukas. And uh, well on top of a couple. That was a good maiden hurdle, I think. And he was well on top of him. Um, the the chit chat beforehand though is that he was very very high up the pecking order, um, in amongst the Mullins and Avis hurdlers, and it just surprised me that pe- more people didn't latch on to him after that. Like he was still a kind of a thirty three to one twenty five to one shot for the Supreme, having won what at the time looked like one of the the warmest maiden hurdles of the season, and um, it just surprised me. Maybe look, I know it sounds like an odd thing to say, but maybe the fact that he wasn't in familiar silks, you know, I think when the, the likes of these horses are in the Richie silks. People like Kennedy get mad excited because <laughs> they love seeing a high-profile set of silks. <laughs> Expensive horse, owned by Graham Wiley. How much can I have on? <laughs> but uh, he's in he's in lower-profile silks, and I just think he'll turn out to be a very good horse. And look, if Ruby rides him here, um, anyone that that's taken the big prices about the Supreme is probably in a good spot. Look, but he has to go and do it clearly. Um, this is this is D Day for him, but I just I just wouldn't be surprised if he went in one. And uh, looking two gas is clearly overpriced relative to him, but I just wouldn't be surprised. And I would track with classical dream if there's a fair lump of improvement in him. It was his first run of the season, his first run for a long time. And um, Willie's, as we know, have been a bit little bit ropey around the time that he made his comeback. So it just and I know we're not completely out of the woods with Willie yet, but I just wouldn't be shocked if there was a good step forward there. And um, he could stamp himself as, as a proper supreme novices contender. Given his the cloud that's been under Willie Mullins, and particularly uh, around December time, was that another factor for you that he won on St. Stephen's Day when a number of Mullins horses weren't performing? Again, Willie kind of got away with that at the time because Kenboy was so impressive and, and there were other grade one wins as well. But that the experience factor and possibly Willie's horses coming from under this cloud could show him to even better effect ah, well look maybe it's not it's certainly not a negative anyway um, I just think he's a very good horse Okay, and um, he'll get the chance to go and prove it on Sunday hopefully he does we need to expand on Vizian Donaire because he's a horse that we've talked about mm. a few times as well and again Kev this is a horse that you were quite taken with yeah, because look, you know, going into that maiden herd, the Leopardstown, there was there was loads of chat about Classical Dream, but there was heaps of chat about this fella. The, the chat was that he was Gordon's best novice. And um, that day, he just got a little bit found out by his inexperience. He just, he jumped big and it cost him, I think. He was, he had a wide enough spin around the home turn, but I think ultimately he was just losing a bit of ground jumping and he was working to have to to have to overcome that and it just cost him on the day and then he went he went back to Punchestown a few weeks later and got the job done again his jumping was solid was how I described it which just insinuates a bit giving him a little bit of air you know not making mistakes but just being a little bit chasery if you will and I'm looking travel best picked up well always in control he had a wide enough spin with no cover there it was kind of a I'd say Jack was conscious to give him a good look at his hurdles and given the way he jumped the first day so um, again his form doesn't really entitle him to be one of the main contenders here but it's a little bit like like you talked about there with um, oh I forget which horse you were referring to but when a big stable really really likes one 
um, it, it can pay to 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 go with it, even if the form but doesn't suggest it because they they're probably dealing with a a fuller deck of evidence than we are um, by purely looking at, at what they've done in the race course. All right, so it's classical dream for Kevin and for myself as well. Uh, Rixi, for you, it's all about Entukas at thirty-three to one. Yeah, just in terms of what Kev says there, depending on how the market, I definitely think he's worth an anti-post bet now. But um, like I'd obviously respect uh, Kev's opinion on on how highly he rates Classical Dream. You know, he he'll probably he's another one who could potentially offer. You know, if this is the right form line, I'd be kicking myself if I didn't back kind of Antukas without Classical Dream, maybe picking up at a bit. You know but a 12 or 14 to one kind of price. So I think mm. that's potentially another, another kind of um, alternative um, bet to have here. That's a, that's an interesting way of looking at it as well, by the way. Um, and look, the, the, I just don't get the market here. Vision Denier is, he was, what was he, a couple lengths um, behind in Tukas yeah. as well. The yeah. last time he's three to one, I, I just, I really, really don't get this market. And if Aramon comes out, you know, even um, Joseph's other horse there, Kevin, triplicate is a huge price of 12 to 1 based on that run by and quick raven. Yeah, he was just super disappointing the last day now, but I think the conclusion that they came away with was that he just didn't like leading. Yeah, was, um, that, your, it, was it, that your idea? Was it to go leading? Was it? <laughs> oh, sure. Look, at it, when idea. it goes when it goes when it goes wrong, it's always my idea. <laughs> but yeah, yeah like, it was one of those. Now there, there didn't look to be any pace in the race, and shit. There's he got the run of it, but it just didn't yeah. suit him, if you know what I mean. So yeah, I, I, he, I can he, imagine he'll be ridden different. He's he's a horse who kind of he he sweats up quite badly before race. Yeah. Well, he's probably just you, you just want him buried. Way kind of try and put him to sleep and then leave the, the ability come kind of come out of him late in a race. But you know he's an, he's definitely another horse worth a, a mention. There, you know, twelve to one, you know, quick grab in in Ireland is probably you know I know he's out for the season now, but he was probably the the best two mile novice hurdler we've seen this season. Oh, he'd and Aramon went. He'd have won the supreme novices hurdle by fifteen lengths on. Gutted. Oh, God, <laughs> sickening. Uh, we'll move on to the Flowgas Novices Chase, where Delta Work is currently 9-2, second favourite for the RSA. Best price 7-4 as we're recording for Sunday. La Bagawa, who's coming over for Warren Greatrix, and this is fantastic. Again, UK trainers coming over to Ireland for the Dublin Racing Festival. More. We want more of you coming over. But well done, Warren. 2-1, uh, to 9-4 is the best price. Winter Escape, who... We talked about in great detail on the podcast just because he drifted to such a huge price and went and won quite impressively. Uh, best price five to one. Mortal a best price tens. Hardline a best price ten to one as well. Kev, we'll we'll lead with you. Delta Work has been a really exciting prospect. Cheltenham Festival winner has done absolutely nothing wrong over fences so far. This is going to be a big test now with Le Bagawa in there, but also Winter Escape. This is a good race. It is a good race, yeah, and I hope uh, Le Bagawa comes over. They've been talking about it for, for quite a while. Um, you know, it's just, you know, geez, the ground on the chase track now could be pretty spicy come Sunday. Mm. Um, so I just hope it doesn't result in some of these fields chopping up a little bit. But look, we'll start with Delta Work because he's the, the standard setter. That form in the Drimmore as you're saying, lo- looks very, very, very hot, to be fair to it. It's been boosted by the first and second. And to be fair to him last time, like he, he probably would have won Anaway. 
I thought Mortal was running a super race and was coming there to lay down some sort of a challenge. But I just I get the impression with Delta work that he he only ever does enough once he's in front, and he, he probably would have won anyway. Um, his and things didn't go perfect for Delta Work. He, he made a bit of a mistake at the first. He he got hampered at the fifth. He made another little mistake um, at the eight from home. Um, but in general, he was good. He, he was he was better than he'd been. Um, certainly on his chasing debut, he seems to be kind of learning with experience. And look, that form sets the standard. I wouldn't have any big concerns about him coming back in trip. It's not perfect. Um, he does very much. He's a proper three-miler, but I think he's got enough class um, to, to show his best form over this trip. Um, you would have seen in the in the Drinmore, um, the Richburg maybe shaped a little bit better than him on the day, but ultimately probably just got outstayed by Delta Work. So um, going a little bit further around a stiffer track here should be enough for Delta Work, I'd say. He'll be a short enough price now, but it, it won't be a soft touch for him. Um, Martel is an intended runner against them. Like I said, I thought he was running a super race behind them um, at Christmas. And I'd say coming back in trip would be no harm at all for him. Uh, so I, I wouldn't like to, I, I'd expect him to run well. It'd be a bit much to ask him to reverse the form, but I, I'd expect him to run very well. And it looks like Hardline is going to go here, um, who's a horse I really like. Um, I don't think he's got the credit he deserves for last time. I think everyone assumes Getterbird would have won if he jumped the last. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. I think Hardline would have would have made might well have won. You know, I thought um, I thought Keith Donahue was very easy on Hardline um, to go and win. I thought he didn't ask for everything at all, and um, he'd been very impressive, very very impressive. I thought the time before, um, smashing up us and them at Navin. So I, I wouldn't I think Giggins have a really, really strong hand here. But of the three, I'd say Hardline is probably the one that's overpriced. And um, I, I lean towards him, I suppose. Again, nothing against Delta work whatsoever, bar his price. And we're just looking to get a, a little bit of value. You can't eat it, as they say, but I would keep picking it. There's plenty of our listeners, and it's fantastic to see uh, we have... We gave away tickets on Monday's show. So congratulations to Gareth, who is actually Norbert, who Final Furlong Podcast listeners will remember being the man who called up Matt Chapman on on the line at the races <laughs> and told him that the good thing for the weekend was Armadillo and that you should be backing him for the champion bumper. He's working the house down at Colin Tizard's yard. What a legend. <gasps> Didn't realize this at all until, because it was Kevin picked the winner, until he told me uh, through direct messages as we were setting things up with him for Leopardstown and putting him in touch with everybody that um, that's, that's Norbert. Uh, that's who he is. So, and, I, and I believe he will be in attendance at our Cheltenham preview night as well. Uh, Tuesday, 5th of March. The GOAT in Dublin. Uh, we're, we're back there again. So, um, legend, basically. And Simon, who is coming over from the UK. And there's so many Final Furlong Podcast listeners traveling over from the UK to the Dublin Racing Festival, which is just fantastic to see. It really is brilliant. And I hope you all have a fantastic weekend. This is going to be one of the best races there. I just I do want to touch on Winter Escape, though, Kev, for, for a second, because he has been a, a revelation since he's joined 
Anthony Howard. I, I know that Aiden gets these Aiden, horses. Aiden. Yeah, his middle name is Anthony. Um, we'll call him Tony. So Tony Howard's done a fantastic job in this horse. But, but Aiden, I know that he gets a lot of JSP, JP's horses and, and does um, a lot of training with them, uh, pre-training before they, they go back to whoever they are. But ever since he's got him from Alan King, he just has transformed him, and he, he's such a good chaser. You could argue, there'll be many who will argue they'll see Delta work as an absolute banker. Same will be said for the bag of what, but there'll be a lot of listeners thinking winter escapes overpriced here. It could make the case. Look, he's been brilliant for Aiden. He, he was a horse that had loads of problems, but um, he's got over them since he's gone to Aiden and he was very good last time. Um, one thing I point out and it might be nothing. It might be nothing, but this will be his first time to go left-handed over fences. And I, I just noted him a couple of times, just kind of edging to his right. And he just, he, he might be a shade right-handed. Mm. So it, it would just, it would just be something to, to keep an eye on uh, to see if he's straight or if, he's, if he is going to the right now that he's going the, the other way around. But he was impressive. Like things didn't go right for him last day. And uh, he still gave away a mountain of weight to a Plutard who's quite highly regarded. So, on that piece of form, he has to be in the mix. You, you couldn't underestimate him. Um, and look, he's kind of a, a nine to two, five to one, one shot, and that—that's in my mind, that's probably about right. Okay. Um, it's hard line for Kev, Rixie. You've been going for value horses so far. Would you be looking at Delta Work as one of those bankers you can't get away from, or is this a race that you can't wait to get stuck into? It's something at a bigger price. Um, I, I agree with Kev. I, Hardline is is definitely overpriced. Um, in terms of raw ability, I'm you know I'm not sure he's actually he's he's really got that much to find with um with with Delta Work. He Hardline he's he's just a real likeable straightforward horse he just goes about his job and he does it well the the one thing with him is he's going up and trip and that's just that's just the the kind of the only worry but the like kev is totally right in, in he's he's overpriced here but um I, you know i think this market is a little bit wrong all over the place um for me a bag of wash would be favored um her form is is on a par with what Delta work has done. But then when you add in her seven pounds mayor's allowance, um, she, I, I think she, it's, it's an away tie for her. Okay. She's traveling over, but her, in terms of just form, she should be favored. And uh, I'd be pretty confident on that now. Um, she obviously won the Cato star the last time at, at Kempton over Christmas. Um, you know, she was held up early, gave away plenty of ground, early she was wide and then she kind of her and Richard Johnson they took it up going out on the final circuit and just going down the far side they injected a good bit of pace into it and they caught plenty of nice horses on the hop Santini was you know flat to the boards looked like an absolute boat around Kempton uh, and, and a couple of other ones as well you know Bags Groove a couple of decent horses they were all caught the hop and she she went to the front and then her, her jumping was brilliant it kept her just made her hard to come to get it made her hard to kind of come back to the field. Fair play at the top of the game. He he did catch her, but he kind of fell in a hole late. But you know the rest of them, she's beat them silly, and she jumped she jumped a bit to her left. The Kempton there, I don't 
I don't think Kempton is her ideal track. I think kind of the Newburys, the, the Leopardstowns of this world, I think really suit her fine big galloping trap tracks with kind of that are, are stiff in nature and bring stamina into it. For me, she should definitely be favoured. Um, I think Hardline should be shorter in the betting, but with the stamina worry with him, um, I think the mayor is a bet. I'm liking this. That's a very, very, very strong case. From Declan yeah, Rooks. and the, like there were there were elements of her time now at um, in at Kempton. It was run on the same do- the same card as the King George. There were elements of her time that stu- stood up pretty well to the King George form. So look, she she's a very good mare. And the other thing that could be um, was something I just had down on my notes here was I think Gordon a couple of times has has referred to Delta work as not being robust. And he's going to be taking on an, an eight-year-old mare, two years as elder, trying to give her seven pounds. I'm just wondering, does all that add up to the mare actually being a pretty sound bet? Probably wanted to, to kind of, you know, um, kind of dumb and dumber style, check out the vibes at the bar. If the vibes are good, <laughs> but, you know, get the champagne ready and plow in. She should be fab for me. Um, when Gordon is, is saying not so robust, is he talking about how the horse copes with his training regime or in a finish? Uh, I think it. No, I think it's how how he's physically made. Mm. There's not much of him. And look, Delta Work is good. He's this. He's a hard horse to get a handle of now. This Delta Work. He's he. I'd say he's the type of horse that plays the fool a, a bit. There, you, you need to really wake him up to get the best out of him. Uh, like the first three fences at left. Sound over Christmas, he was terrible at him. He was nearly brought down as well. Yeah. But when he was nearly brought down, it kind of it it, it bucked him up. It woke up his ideas, and and he came to life then under Davy. I'd say Davy won't hold him up now. Davy probably won't sit too far behind the mare, and he'll keep him up to his work. And it should be a good race. Um, I just think with with the trip being a bit of a worry, and we thinking uh, there's a bit of juice in La Baga Wars price. That is the way I'm going to go. Okay, Warren Greatrex source. Um Brilliant yeah. to see her coming over. She's three from three over fences, could be four from four at the weekend. And as you said, that Mare's Alliance yeah. is so valuable as well. And, One of the and quotes... just finishing up, Emmett, I'm sorry yeah, to yeah, call, cross you like a big ignorant arsehole again. Um, <laughs> just being yourself. <laughs> go, I, 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 yeah, exactly, just being myself. Um, I hope Warren Re- Greatrix and his team are rewarded because Warren actually sent a horse over to last year's festival that ran in, that, in one of the handicaps. That's right. Caps. So, look, he's coming again and I hope he's rewarded. There's this 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 nonsense thing that, oh, we, we can't go and beat Willie and Gordon and Joseph and Henry in their backyard. Well, look, if you have a horse good enough, come and have a go. There's good prize money. Yeah. It's a great weekend to be associated with. To be fair, and, to be fair, we've had Paul Nichols sending horses to Down Royal since 19 Dickety Doo. Phil Hobbs and Nicky Henderson, to be fair, normally come over for the Punch of Sound Festival with, with something. Um, there's so much prize money up for grabs. Come over here. Yeah. Come over here and race. Take us on. Uh, you know, we, we want to see it. I, I know that Willie and Gordon can dish out an absolute hammering uh, at Cheltenham, but come here and let, let's let's see it. It's it's fantastic racing, and it, it has to be significant that this is the race that Warren has had. I know that there's the slight possibility that Sandown's on the cards, but the fact that they've decided, no, we're going to the Dublin Racing Festival and we're going for that grade one, has to be significant with her. Um, I am 
in the Delta Rock camp because everyone knows I've backed him for the RSA Chase, but I'm happy to sit back and watch this race and hopefully learn a little bit more ahead of the weekend. The There's two feature races. It's such a fantastic weekend. The champion hurdle on day one, which we previewed in our earlier podcast, and the feature race on Sunday. What a race in prospect this is. The Unibet Irish Gold Cup, over three miles. It used to be known as the Hennessy. It's been won by some absolute legends of the game in uh, years gone by, including the mighty Beefer Salmon. The current betting as we're recording, it's now five past six on Thursday evening. Road to Respect, 100 to 30. Album Photo, five to one. Camboy, big winner at Christmas time at Leopardstown, 11 to two. The mighty Bells Hill, the last horse to beat Altior, 11 to two. Monolly nines, Annabelle Fly, 12 to one. Uh, Rixie, you can start us off here. Competitive race, this one, very competitive. How do you see this shaping up and what's the bet in your view? Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm, I, I'm, I'm struggling to, to that the Savile's Chase, I suppose, is going to be the, the key race that we concentrate over Christmas. Um, I, I actually had a decent, I had a decent bet on Road to Respect at Christmas and it absolutely broke my heart to see him clip heels and then once and then nearly coming down as well um it was it was, it was a strange out race I, I like just in terms of of raw form kind of look, looking at the gold cup picture in, in general I, I don't think it was great form um you know Mo, mona lee was second i was disappointed with mona lee's run um at down royal at the start of the season he had the complete run of the race kind of um with Kemboy just ahead of him and he didn't see out his race uh road to respect was desperately unlucky as we've already said and then bells hill who was quite a drifter in the betting he while well, he shaped he shaped pretty well put to bed that kind of um the potential theory one, one that i worried about myself that uh, that he he needed to go right-handed but you know it was hard I think Kemboy on the day in a race that was run at a crawl where he got an outstanding ride from David Mullins he was taken on basically the horse in second Mona Lee who's not at the top of his game he was the third horse home road to respect was brutally unlucky and then the fourth horse home Bells Hill badly needed the run I just I don't know what to make of that race and then I look at this race and I just kind of Look at it from a pace perspective. There's a fair chance that Balco de Flo and Mona Lee won't run here. That's Henry de Bromhead has said. Mm. And if that if that's the case, it looks like we're going to have a pretty similar race to what we had in, um, in the the Savile Chase at Christmas in terms of pace. And I can just see Kemboy is the horse in this race that is going to be best suited by uh, a sit and sprint. And to be fair to him now, I kind of I was a little bit negative on him um, in kind of my kind of analysis after the race. But look, he's what he's gone and he's won well. He's absolutely bolted up. And the, the thing that really caught my eye with Kemba is like Jesus Christ, he, how hard did he hit the line? It was just like it's rare. I know they didn't go fast, but it's rare you see a horse at this kind of level go through the line like that. He looked like he could have gone round again. He was running that hard. So I just think in terms of pace, I think Kemboy is probably the most likely winner for me. Um, I, I think in, just in terms of raw ability, raw to respect is still the best horse in this race. And he's the one in this race that it probably run run best in a Cheltenham Gold Cup. But raw to respect was a really kind of highly strong horse back in the day. He's had the hood go on. But the hood now looks to have that pass 
massive high effect. Looks to have completely put him to sleep because he was outpaced in the Savills kind of before he had the kind of the two unlucky junctures. And I'm just wondering now, is road to respect, we, the best we're going to see of him, out of him is in a good ground three-mile race run at a, at a flat-out gallop. And I'm just not sure he's going to get that. So with all that spiel there again I think Kenboy is uh, is the one to be with and the, the interesting thing about Kenboy is he's not really getting the credit because how many times Kevin do we see a horse perceived to be unlucky last time over bet on his next start and that's what we're getting here with Road to Respect uh, at the price he is and meanwhile Kenboy who was shorter has drifted all the way out to 11 to 2 I wouldn't be in the least bit surprised if Ruby's on Bells Hill again I think he probably will be and I think for me, that's the horse who's going to take all the beating. I, I genuinely think he's a, he's a star. But Kenboy... Kenboy's beaten Alfred Asobo, who's been second in a Thiestes. And he's comfortably won the Savills. And he's 11-2, to 6-1. to one. It's, it's a bit baffling. Yeah, no, look, it's a fair comment. Um, look, you wouldn't need to be Sherlock Holmes now to figure out that that road to respect was a fair bit better than the result the last day and that it's... It's windy form because of the pace of the race, but you know none of that is Kenboy's fault. And um, he was given a, a very good ride by David Mullins to tactically make the best of the situation. But you know he still would have expended energy early on, uh, racing freely as he did and making the maneuver that he did. So like, uh, while of course the natural inclination is to want him to repeat it, you know it's. The, the horse had been going the right way before that, to be fair to him. like uh, he, His performance at the Punchestown Festival in the Big Novice's Handicap was very good. His comeback at Clamel was very good. And um, look, maybe there's a fair chance he's just improving anyway. Um, and like you say, the market is, is is based on what we all assumed would have happened if the, if the, if the last, if the Savills was run at a decent pace. But that's not necessarily the case. So if somebody wants to stick with Kenboy, I think you're certainly getting bang for your buck um, if you want to do that. Uh, road to respect, look, the case is an obvious one. The market is already assuming that. He's priced up as if he won the last day, um, in short. Um, shaped very well. He's been around here before, been there and done it. Ground will suit him. Nothing against them, bar his price. Um, I, I wouldn't put you off Bale's Hill either now. Oh, yes. You know, I, I thought he shaped well. and you know I was watching him very, very closely because there is that you know, very notable record that he has. The difference between his record going right-handed and left-handed is, is stark. And it would worry you on paper, but when you actually watch them the last day, he, he was as straight as a gun barrel the whole way and um, and shaped well for an awful long way and should be better for it. I'm sure Willie is training him for one day and there should be a bit of improvement to come from him. Um, in terms of the pace of the race... While I can see what Rixie's saying, I just think um, Jigginstown, after what happened, Road to Respect the last day, they'll be bullying to make this well run. And they have Outlander there who can push forward. They have Alfred Asobo who might turn out again. And between the two of them, I'd expect them to make it a gallop. Um, certainly an average pace and probably a little bit better than that. So... I think they were, they would have been so sickened about Road to Respect the last day that they that the stubborn side will come out with them and they'll do everything they can to make this uh, so so that we don't get a repeat. So I, I wouldn't be as concerned about Rixie about the pace, but sure, look, it, uh, it'll be a good thing for the race if it if it's a good even gallop, 
and we get to find out who the best horse is in fair circumstances because the, the Savos was all a bit of a mess but um, without wishing to repeat myself that wasn't Ken Boy's fault and he did his job and, and went and won the race very well so uh, Bell's Hill for me but I wouldn't put anyone off Ken Boy just because of the price he is yeah I'd, I'd... He's, he's, a bit, he's a bit bigger than I should be. I'm surprised he's he's as big as he is. I'm surprised that Kimboy is widely available at eleven to two. Um, but then again, I'm also surprised that Bell's Hill is that price. Uh, both of them are, are available at eleven to two, and and I wouldn't be surprised if they end up fighting out the finish together. I'm I'm baffled. Uh, Ru- who Ruby rides will be fascinating. Very much so. I- I'll stick my neck out and say he'll be on Bell's Hill. What, what would be your thoughts, mm. Kev? Don't know. It's 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 close enough to a coin flip, really. I say, is it? And we're not even talking about album photo, who's shorter than them. And I can't quite understand that. I can't quite get to grips with why he is shorter in the market. Yeah, nothing, nothing really against album photo now, but he's he's just a horse that personally never really set me alight. Yeah. Same, uh, same and look, but look, this is this is his proven ground. This is where he's got to sink or swim. If he's going to be a Gold Cup horse, he needs to be going close here. We talked about him briefly in the in the last podcast with a view to you being slightly more conservative when it comes to making entries for us and, and Joseph uh, aiming that little bit higher. That was the case with Ed Wolf. He came back from that horrendous incident at Cheltenham, ran in what is now the Savills, respectably, and then, of course, there wasn't a dry eye in the house when he won this race. Things haven't quite gone to plan since, but how is he now, Kev, as he goes to the to defend his crown? He's, he's a big old price again. I should look Eddie's great. He's in good form. And um, you just run him and you see, like he I know he went steady last. He wasn't beating the mile. Like I thought he I thought he actually ran quite well. It was a step up from his seasonal reappearance. We saw last season that he took good steps forward. Um for, for well, he started to go a good step forward from first start to second. And I'd be hopeful that he'd take another step forward here. But um, look, there'll be no pressure on him. Look, Derek will give him the usual quiet ride and try to creep him into the race and see what happens. But it'd be hard to be bullish about him. Um, I think it's fair to say. And sure, you're just hoping that he, he runs well and comes back safe and sound. Absolutely. Um, with both horses, the prices they are, I will almost certainly do a reverse forecast in this race on Bell's Hill and Kemboy. But with the view with the view to the Cheltenham Festival, I guarantee you. Bookies love Kennedy. I guarantee you. Oh, I've got the VIP invite, lads. Uh, apparently lobster and all. Lobster and all. Come, Mr. Kennedy. Bring more money with you as well. Uh, I have a feeling I'll be doing that on, on Bell's Hill and Kemboy. But with the view to Cheltenham, obviously the market is going to change. Bells Hill can be backed at twenty-five to one for the Gold Cup. Surely that's too big a price, Rixie. Ah, no, it's not. Presenting Percy wins the Gold Cup. That's our frogman's going to win the Gold Cup, lads. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, flip-flop, Blake. Do you reckon twenty-fives is too big for, about Bells Hill? Um, go on, Kev. Sorry, there. I'm being a big ignorant arse. No, I know. Oh, no, no. To, to be fair, easily to Mrs. Jeopardy. Actually, you can go first, Rixie. Do you think 25 genuinely is too big a price? I wasn't saying anything. Given the fact that, given the fact that Kemboy is 10 to 1 and Bells Hill is widely available at 25s. Yeah, you see, I, I'm, I'm, Bells Hill at the moment is, um, in terms of Cheltenham and just in terms of it, kind of his, his ability-wise, like I'm, I, I've struggled to kind of warm warm to him 
Like, you know, he, he won that grade one of Punchestown last year, but he, he beat Jack Adam. Like, at this stage of his career, poor old Jack Adam, I know he was only nine, but, you know, Jack Adam, you know, he was he, he was he was done then. He, he was well beaten in the goal. Mm-hmm. In the in the Gold Cup still ran very well to be fair to him, but you look he he looks he looks stunned, Jacket. I just don't know, you know that I don't know what to make him. I suppose the other thing with with Bell Hill, like in terms of raw, raw ability, it's it's maybe a little bit big, but you know the other thing with Bell Hill as well. I think Kevin and you have made it on the podcast numerous times just about the the course Cheltenham, um, you know the the undulations, but I suppose. I think he's done a lot of his running on the on the old course there. The new course is, while it's still up and down, it's probably a bit kinder in terms of being a bit more galloping. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of, it, it's hard. You you clearly got a got a soft spot for him. Oh, big time, <laughs> big time. Oh no, no, Rixie. Are you suggesting that Kenley, Kenley bets with emotion? No, <laughs> <laughs> he's he's just he's one just in case. It's kind of Mr. Wiley is listening in. He's, he's got to be seen picking all his horses. You know, you and, know. and he is. He is listening. I can, I can, we, I can tell you that. We've got to get that annual interview every year off Graham, which is always good, by the way. Oh, no, it's brilliant. He'll be back on again before Cheltenham. The man's an absolute legend. Um, you have to have him on. He's just... He's so much Kennedy value. loves Wiley. And, and he's just... But also, though, he's such a great guy to give his time and racing fans love him so and, and he gives great insight into his horses so you, you have to have him on the show he's he's fantastic and a, a very charitable and generous man as well he, would, he actually and, is and great with and great with his time and the local charities um, although i could have done without love, being philanthropy it, is wonderful I, I could have done without having uh, for all that he was great to talk to if he just told me, by the way, Jeremy Kyle's going to be here, and, and is going to show. <laughs> millions of one shot land. As, a, as opposed to We're just pouncing him on me. Uh, God, Everyone I got some Everyone was waiting for the unnecessary Jeremy Kyle mention there. Absolutely. <laughs> Jezza. The whole place. Jezza. The whole place was waiting final, for that. Final furlong bingo is going gaga here. And Jezza back on the podcast and, soon as well. Jezza's confession. And I don't. There is one. There's one phrase that's seriously missing from the final furlong bingo, and that's oh, Kev, yes. and that's Kevin Bloody Blake mentioning Gee fucking Shirell. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's a well-known fact that his horses are keen. Will you go away, Blake? Will, yeah, it's relevant, Rick's relevant. Oh, he didn't like that. Ooh. He didn't, Rixie. Oh, all right there, big fella. All right there, big fella. And then Gee Shirell. <laughs> right. Uh, but you, you can call him Guy if you want. <laughs> okay, the Coolmore National Hunt Sires Irish EBF Mares bumper will uh, round off proceedings for the Dublin Racing Festival. 4.40 it's scheduled to go off at. Uh, this race last year was won by Relegate with Getaway Katie May finishing second. Relegate would go on to win the champion bumper also under Katie Walsh. And uh, Getaway Katie May would go on to land quite the gamble at Aintree, although she did give us a bit of a heart attack under the legend The Codfather. Uh, this race, I'm a bit perplexed by. Rebel Oaks, Santa Rosa, Big, Bad and Beautiful, 9-4, to 3-1, 11-2 respectively, and the best-named horse in training, Two Shoe Tom. 
Two Shoe Tom. Absolutely brilliant. And who was who was Two Shoe Two Shoe Tom's damn sire? Oh, the mighty woodman Hawkwing. Oh, stop. The great Hawkwing. <sighs> The greatest Woodman. horse that ever lives. Woodman. What a disaster. Right. Any thoughts on this race, Kevin Blake? There is one I like here, actually, Kennedy. Oh. And trained by Gordon Elliott. Mm-hmm. A little bit low profile now, this one. She's called Daylight Katie. And the key here, lads, between myself, yourself, and the wall, is the jockey here. Not many people know it. Future champion jockey material. David Dunstan is his name. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> for, for those that aren't familiar with, with David, he's, I think he's about 40 years of age. He's actually, he's written a heap, but he rode the Nature Grand National about 15 years ago. And he got round. You know, he's a, he's a real Corinthian. Uh, rides um, horses owned by himself and his father owned the horses, I think. Corinthian? Yeah, that, that'd be the term I'd use, yeah. Is he a is he a Roman uh, chariot rider as well? <laughs> he, his style wouldn't be the most aesthetically pleasing. You, you think? But, um, th- this uh, this mare actually shaped genuinely shaped really well at Punchestown uh, last time because she, she's an elder, she's a free goer. I'd say she'd be a challenge for anyone to be fair now. But David dropped her in and she got a bit strong with him and, and ended up circling the whole field and going clear at halfway. <sighs> And uh, did did really well to keep to keep going as well as she did. Now she was only beaten three quarters of a length. And um, if David can just anchor her and get her to settle oh early on, God. Um, she she'd be capable of coming forward a fair few lengths, I'd say. Um, and look, she need to. There's a few fancier ones than her in this field now that have shown more. But um, she, she there's there's more in her than we've seen thus far. Um, so she'd be interesting and I wish David all the best of luck now because he probably gets the, the old urine extracted out of him now a fair bit but uh, I'd be I'd be all for because at the end of the day lads we'd all love to be doing it we'd all love to be riding horses and bumpers there as a bit of a hobby no and, uh, and, and, and enjoying whoa, whoa, it whoa whoa whoa, whoa. <laughs> hold on a second there now right so like the, Rick's, Rick's here be a great the, man in the bumper the, hang on a second there. there the kid's <laughs> worth the okay he's 40 he'll still go right the kid's worth the fortune right fair play that's grand right no problem with that he's not Tony Stark you can't, just turn up. you can't just turn up so, to Formula One and decide, you know what, actually, I'm going to, uh, to drive the Formula One car that I've got uh, and the team that I pay for and, and sack my driver and, and ride in this race in, in Monaco. It's, a, it's an amateur race. Of course he can. No, it's absolutely... Who's he, does he think he's Iron Man? It's ridiculous. Kennedy, by the way, look, by the way look, look how that worked out for Tony Stark. Who took him out? Ivan, our foreign correspondent on this show. There's, now, there's hold bl- on, can we, can we get can we get serious for just just there's, twenty seconds here, Kenners? There's blood in the because, water, because and the I, sharks will come. Because I mentioned this on a previous podcast, and a few people tweeted me following up on it. So I think this might be something we have to do. What would you think? Uh, you can do it off your own account. We can do it off the final furlong account. Probably off the final furlong account is the place to do it. We will run a poll asking our loyal listeners. Would you prefer if, would you, how do we phrase this so, so it's fair? Do you like when Emmett talks about Marvel things on the podcast, <laughs> right? And we won't even make it a 50-50 thing, Kenners. If yes gets more than 30%, that's all you need, 30%, I'll never criticize you again for talking about Marvel. But if 
the no side gets 70% or more, you're banned from talking about it. No, nah, it's not going to happen, Kev. I'd never stop we'll talking about it, it anyway. We'll, we'll put it up. We'll, 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 we'll let people listen to this podcast. We'll put that poll up tomorrow. And I'm quite confident it'll go the right way. <laughs> I, I'm sure you're right, but there's no way that I'll stop I, talking about Marvel. And I'm I'll deadly what, serious. Kenneth, I'm, I'm deadly I, serious. I, I, I'm, I'm charitable. I'm charitable. I'll actually up the line. 75% is now the cutoff. 75% is the cutoff. Okay. If, if three in four people don't want you to talk about Marvel anymore, you have to listen to the will of the people. The will of the people, Kenners. Uh, I'll just ignore it and keep going going. I, I'll say this, as <laughs> no, you've mentioned it, this. by the we're way, as this. you've mentioned this, this, this is, is important. <laughs> this is very important. Rishi Prasad is coming back on the show. Oh, geez. Simply <laughs> to talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Captain Marvel, the prequel oh. movie, ahead of Avengers Endgame, which is going to be epic. Uh, <laughs> and uh, before that, though, it, it, we haven't talked about TV for a while. If you haven't seen... But- Daredevil season oh, three. Man. It's one of the <laughs> finest pieces of television. But I'll tell you what else, though. Now, it's it's bloody, it's gory. The Punisher season two is phenomenal TV. <sighs> so season one, season two, both available to stream right now on Netflix. I highly recommend them. They are absolutely brilliant. Kenners, we, we will run this poll on Friday, tomorrow, and we will see what the will of the people is. Kenners, I'm feeling re- we're going we're gonna to make it 80%. All you need is 20% of the vote, and I'll never complain again, because this is how confident I am that people can't stand when you start talking about Marvel. Now, so 20% is all you need now. Now, see what the results this say. is your moment. <laughs> this is your time. If you like the MCU, or if you like any TV reference whatsoever, make your voice heard and silence Kevin Blake. Put him in his place. Put that man in <laughs> his place. This is going to be brilliant. How many shark documentaries <laughs> have you watched recently, Rixie? Oh, no, I've been kind of studying a lot of form lately. That's so what we like to hear. That's what we like to hear. I'll give you a very quick recommendation, actually. Uh, one off. Really easy. Only takes an hour and a half to watch this. Now. It's not Kennedy's box sets that you have to commit half your life to actually watch. Go and watch Fire, F-Y-R-E on oh, Netflix. That's a, that's a, that's a good watch. It uh, that is, is a good watch. The greatest uh, well scam in history. Uh, yeah, your man's an absolute scumbag, but we won't give any spoilers. It's definitely worth a watch. It's, it's quite, um, it's interesting. It's quite unintentionally funny at times, but yeah, definitely worth a watch. F-Y-R-E, Fire. Um, it was a music festival watch it it's kevin's right watch it it's brilliant uh rixie no look i i I rarely bet in bumpers so it's not a race that um that i'll I'll be having a bet in but you know unfortunately i don't have some kind of story like blake usually comes up where oh i met the owner down the pub or the breeder down the pub and i had a drink with him i have none of that unfortunately in my arsenal so it's uh, hopefully we'll have our money made by this by this race yeah and we're just free rolling and we can do what we want with the bookies money don't do that onto, keep onto the, the money super for yourself Super Bowl party yes Super Bowl oh feckin' Tom Brady every bloody year right uh, best bets <laughs> for the Sunday of the Dublin Racing Festival Declan Ricks oh jeez he went to me again first this is terrible um, best bet for me. Do you know? I think um, I think Antukas is a good each way bet. I really do. 
I'm liking that. Well, yeah, that's that's probably a value bet. I think the nap would be Labagawa. Right. So Labagawa is your nap, but your value bet is Antukas, who is well over 20s for the grade one novices hurdle. Kevin Blake, we were virtually fist pumping there. Uh, as Rixi was being made to make his selection, first of all, again, got your backs on. <laughs> Who is your your uh, choice of the best bet? And, and indeed, we'll go for a best value bet as well for the weekend. Um, I go classical dream. I think. I think now's the now's the time to deliver. Um, and in terms of uh, value bet for the weekend, um, uh, maybe Guards of Babylon. Okay, I like that. Um, I will say. Classical Dream as well. I think Classical Dream is really exciting. And um, next best is what I'll go with is Bells Hill. Um, so we'll, we'll find a patent. We'll find a third horse to put in there and we'll get a patent going for the weekend. Seriously, they're great bets. <laughs> Patents, lucky 15s, lucky 31s, lucky 63s. Don't let anybody knock you for doing them. They're, they're fantastic, uh, fantastic bets. There is race courses in britain just falling by the wayside uh as the weather the terrible weather over in the uk hopefully you're all good and safe there but um racing being cancelled left right and center in the uk leopardstown looks as though it's going to hold up and be okay if it does it is going to be an absolutely superb weekend's racing cannot wait to see it and um if you're making the journey over have a look out for us. We'll be the three of us will be there. Watch out. Come over and say hello. And thank you very much for listening. And thanks for all the kind words on social media as well. Leopardstown is a fantastic venue, and this is going to be some brilliant racing as well. Also, there's some great live acts playing after racing as well. So uh, watch out for that too. Um, Kevin, we're back on Tuesday to review the weekend's racing as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, looking forward to it. Now we'll have plenty to look back on, no doubt. Yeah, big time. And uh, we didn't talk about Sandown because what's the point? One to 100. Ridiculous race. Anyway, that's it. We're done. Uh, We are back with you on Tuesday to review all of the action. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Day one of the Dublin Racing Festival podcast available for you now on attheraces.com. Day two, you've just listened to and hopefully you found it informative. If you had a five-star rating on whatever Apple device or whatever podcast app you're listening to is on would be greatly appreciated and it would make Kevin Blake feel more serene and calm in his well-being. So a five-star rating for Blake's sanity would be great for all of us. From Declan Ricks. See you later, everyone. From Kevin Blake. Good luck. And from me... Oh, Emmett, Emmett, Emmett. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, just, I just thought I'd uh, remind everyone that it's, uh, it's actually my birthday on Sunday, so I'm available for three points all day. <laughs> so if you see Declan Ricks in his skinny jeans strutting around Leopardstown, make sure... <laughs> oh, you bad man. <laughs> so, so I got a direct message on Twitter from a Final Furlong Podcast listener and all he did was send me a photograph of a pair of legs. And I'm like, what do I want to see this for? And it was a pair of legs and skinny jeans. And he said, I'm pretty certain this is Rixie because I can hear him talking <laughs> in the Tipperary accent and he's putting up the same horses that were put up on the final furlong. So either somebody is pretending to be Rixie at Sandown or it's him. Uh, I WhatsApp Rixie straight away and he said, oh, what bastard did that? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on his birthday strutting around in the skinny jeans buy the man a drink 
He's putting in hard graft here. You can't even go out and have a few pints in your skinny jeans. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's it's the it's it's that final furlong bump. You know, you've got the paparazzi all over Vanessa Ryle, all over yourself now as well. It's just you just got to live with it, my man. You just got to live oh, with it. Is, my friend. Is, is, uh, is is Vanessa heading over the weekend? Uh, ben, I think Vanessa's going to the coursing championships in Glam in Clamel. Ah yes. I think it's the Great Old Clamel, oh, yeah. the only town to fight off Oliver Cromwell. Would you believe? <laughs> And on that bombshell, that's it. We're done. From Kevin Blake. Good luck. And from me, Emma Kennedy, thanks so much for listening. We will chat to you again on Tuesday on our Dublin Racing Festival and weekend review. We'll include Sandown in that one, but hopefully you enjoyed it. It's a fantastic weekend's racing ahead. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for your company. And we'll talk to you again next week. God bless. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly sponsored by Coral. Look out for exclusive Final Furlong Smart Boosts on attheraces.com. The smart money's on Coral. BeGambleAware.org 18+. Plus. Have you downloaded the free At The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheraces.com forward slash app for more details.